blew me off for a bottle of tequila. Tequila's no good for you. Doesn't call, doesn't write. It's not nearly as much fun to wake up to. Hi, welcome to today's episode of Scalpels and Tequila. I'm Ayla. I'm Tamsin. And today we're going to be talking about the second episode of season 18. So before we go into the episode, I do think we need to talk about Ellen's podcast. So Ellen sat down with Patrick Dempsey and it's a lot. Their conversation I personally didn't find too interesting. It was like what Tamsin was saying uh, last episode about being taunted for months about who they were bringing back to Grey's Anatomy, someone from her past. It's the same sort of idea with this where we were like, oh, Meredith and Derek are going to have it out. Let's hear about it. And there was just no gossip. Well... No gossip between them, but Ellen just painted herself in a very problematic light that I was not expecting. Yeah, can you say a privileged white woman much? Ooh. The first red flag for me, um, I don't know if you picked up on this, but you probably did, is at the very start of the episode, she's doing an ad for some sort of food delivery service. Hello Fresh. It was, was it, it Hello was Fresh? Yeah. Every podcaster has an ad for it. She just makes an offhanded comment in a very jokey way, which, which, look, it could be fine, but she just makes a very offhanded comment about how she sometimes, ha, 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 throws things at her assistant, ha, 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 which to me was just a massive red flag. The whole episode started with this ad, so I didn't realise it was an ad, and it was her belittling her assistant being like, I have 70,000 things to do in a day and all I end up doing is answering my assistant's hundreds and hundreds of questions a day. And I was like, um... Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Just made me feel very uncomfortable because Ellen Pompeo gets paid... Well, okay, Forbes in 2019 listed her as making $22 million a Grey's Anatomy season. That is a wild amount of money. And then... Just the context, knowing the context of that and then having her, yeah, kind of belittle her assistant in an ad and then joke about throwing things at her and then talk about how assistant has housemates. Yeah, I brought that up. I was like, why, one, why is a multimillionaire doing a sponsored advertisement for (laughs) HelloFresh? Two, why does her assistant get paid so little that she has to have housemates. I don't know. It doesn't look good. That's all. It yeah. doesn't look good. Um, yeah, so it was that. And then the conversation with Patrick Dempsey was, it was rather uncomfortable. Right at the start, she announced who was here on the show and that she'd been trying and trying to catch up with him for coffee. And, and he always stood her up. And I was like, oh, that's really uncomfortable if you've ever caught up with a friend. And the first thing they say is, oh, well, it's so good that you finally made time for me. You're like, um, Mm. okay. And I just thought that was a really unpleasant way to start a conversation with someone who was choosing to take time out of their day to be on your podcast to make you money. Speaking of money again, For a half-hour podcast, that is the most amount of ads I have ever heard. There's only one other podcast that I listen to that has maybe more ads than that, but that person is also 
not a multi-millionaire. <laughs> I assume yeah. that most of their payment comes from their ads. So like, get your money, girl. I, I feel that. Yeah. But... Yeah, everything about this podcast was uncomfortable and we haven't even spoken about the worst part. Like oh. we are building up to one of the most... Oh. We're very angry today. I just, it just changes the way I feel about Ellen, unfortunately. I made a mistake yesterday. I immediately listened to the podcast and was so angry that I had to call Tamsin. So we've actually already spoken about this a bit. And we were like, oh, Christ, we need to like keep this for the podcast. But so angry. So if you haven't heard the podcast and haven't Googled it, because I have Googled it and there is a lot of commentary. There's a lot of Twitter. There's a lot of articles coming out now about this story. It just, look, Grey's Anatomy has been, it's been kind of said that it has had a toxic workplace culture for a while. That's kind of been the underlying gossip, I guess. But this story just cements this for me. And it, yeah. Ellen just pointed the finger at herself for being the problem. And if, if you haven't heard it, we I'm going to run through it. But basically Ellen goes, I have a really good Denzel Washington story for you. And now her idea of a really good story and my idea of a really good story are very different. Yes, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it starts off and she says after she's talking to Patrick Dempsey. So she's like, well, after you left and after Sandra O left, there didn't feel like much of a reason for her to stay, which is fair enough. That's a fine thing for any actor to kind of be thinking. Yep. And she goes on to say that uh, Debbie Allen was like, oh, we need something to make her stay. We're going to do something for her. And set, they basically bought her a surprise in bringing to the set Denzel Washington to be a director because Ellen speaks about how big of a fan she is of Denzel. And then she goes, it's a really funny story. And they, they kind of speak about them the way that we would speak about her. Yeah, definitely. High regard, very looking up to him. And then she goes on to say... This one episode she was directing, which is a really heavy episode where there's a patient who has a seizure and beats her up unintentionally. And then Meredith has to have her jaw wired shut. And there's a scene where she goes and listens to this patient apologize to her. And her character Meredith doesn't want to hear this apology. So as an actor, she chooses to not meet the other actor who is apologizing to her to not meet him in person until they have to do this scene. So in the middle of the scene, she's wheeled out and this other actor has chosen to not look at her in the eye, which is an actor's choice that he made to apologize. And it's like hard for him to look at her in the scene. And then Ellen Pompeo goes on to say, and then she went completely off script and started yelling at this actor, saying, you must look at me in the face when you're apologising. Through her locked jaw. Yes, through her locked jaw. Denzel Washington chimes in and says, hey, like, I'm the director. I get to make that call. And then Ellen. And she goes on to say that they had a proper screaming match and then blames it on being a Scorpio. I feel like I need to get the exact wording of this because it's, does she really blame it on being a Scorpio? That's so yes. funny. I don't remember that. Yeah, she's like, oh oh, well, God. I am a Scorpio. And then Patrick Dempsey mentions oh, that she's God. quick to get angry and slow to cool down. 
That's not even her saying it. That's him being like, yeah, you are pretty spicy. Okay, this is Ellen's quote exactly. I was like, listen, motherfucker, this is my show. This is my set. Who are you telling? Like, you barely know where the bathroom is. All with exclamation points. That is a fucking awful thing to say. In And then she ran off to his wife to tell him about it. It's just because his wife is on set and she goes off and goes and tells his wife that Denzel yelled at her. Oh, because his wife is a very, very big fan. That's why he did it. Yeah. Like what bratty childish behavior. It's saying motherfucker to Denzel Washington. Imagine the audacity. Imagine being that unprofessional in your workplace. Also, it is an acting rule that you do not tell another actor how to say their lines. That is like the number one rule of acting is that you don't direct another actor. That is the director's job. So Denzel is just doing his job by saying like, you don't get to tell the other actor how to act. Years and years on, she still feels justified and vindicated in that behavior that I'm like, Oh, you can't see that you were incorrect. Maybe you are the the person that people don't want to work with. Oh, it was so uncomfortable to listen to. And also just the way she's like, ha, 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 what a hilarious, funny story. Like she's telling it almost as if she thinks her own behavior's a bit cute, a bit like, oh, I'm, I'm so quirky. That's what I mean. She has no conscious of it (laughs) at all, which is why I think she thought that ad was good because in her mind, belittling and berating people that work for you is acceptable. Yeah. It was those two things in that episode that I was like, oh, she thinks that this advertisement is a a joke, (laughs) which means she thinks that being disrespectful to employees and colleagues if she considers anyone her colleague is uh is okay is ellen the driver i honestly don't even remember anything patrick dempsey said he loves cars that's all our you know i knew that already all i can remember from that episode i specifically remember ellen basically calling herself out for terrible behavior yeah but anyway i think that's that's We'll let you guys listen to it and make up your own minds about how you feel. Uh, Love to hear everyone's feedback about it and if we're completely off kilter. Uh, Yeah, definitely. So Ellen's podcast is called Tell Me with Ellen Pompeo and we listened to the Patrick Dempsey episode and that's all I could listen to, honestly. I I listened to that and then I didn't want to hear anything else. I got halfway through another one. It's too mad. I was like, nope. But anywho, let's jump straight into season 18, episode two. So today we are talking about season 18, episode two, Some Kind of Tomorrow. I do feel like season 18 had its kind of opening last week. We met all the characters that we're going to be sticking with this season and now we're really getting into it. So what happens? There's a lot going on in this episode, several different storylines, but it starts off, uh, Meredith brings Amelia to Minnesota to show her the lab and offer her a partnership there. Richard and Bailey start retraining the interns and some of the residents after they missed out on some stuff last year, and they both have this adorable big focus of bringing back the joy. Winston treats a patient with kidney failure. 
Teddy and Owen meet and treat a war veteran. Joe and Link are living together and seem to be co-parenting. And Meredith and Nick go on a date, so that might be going somewhere. So we do open this episode with Meredith and Amelia in Minnesota at the lab. Yep. Which made me think for a little while, like, oh, so we're keeping Meredith, but we're losing Amelia. Which made me really sad, but... um. I think this idea of both of them working together makes sense. I thought it was a little bit odd. I do want to mention that Amelia is looking so vibrant and healthy. I was really shocked by it, but I think the rest over COVID has done that woman amazingly. She looks great. Um, I, I've always felt that Meredith always has a little bit of distrust in Amelia and thinks of her as sort of unstable. I thought it was quite surprising she was asking her to participate in this study. Um, so this is a really nice change of pace. Yeah, I think you have a good point there. She does always have a mis... Yeah, that idea, like a mistrust towards her. And I wonder if that's just because of Meredith's kind of the way she feels about family in general, because I feel like she's always felt that way about Amelia and Maggie. Yeah and Lexi and anyone that's kind of actually been family, not just been a friend. I also don't understand still why this lab has anything to do with Meredith. I just, it, it made, when she brought Amelia over, I felt the same. I was like, cool, this is going to be Amelia's thing. It's neurosurgery. I just, I have, yeah. and, and Amelia is so on board. She's so excited. She thinks it's brilliant. But And I think it makes sense for Amelia. This is an exciting thing for Amelia. Amelia's kind of just been doing her job really well, but she hasn't had like a big vision or a big goal. You know, her kind of storyline with her career is that she just wanted to make a mark and be as good as Derek. And she's already proven that. So she wanted to not be Derek's sister anymore. Like Derek's shadow. Yeah. But she's not. She's definitely proven herself. So this makes so much sense for Amelia, but I agree. I still believe that Meredith's thing has always been about curing Alzheimer's. So mm-hmm. it's bizarre, but I do, I do like the idea of them working together. I do like that sisterly thing. And it did remind us that Meredith originally wanted to be in neuro. Well, that's what I was about to beginning. say. I think the writers have almost assumed that we would all think this was really strange and a very odd plot line to focus on Meredith but throwing a line into her, and I wrote it down, where Amelia says, when you started your career, you wanted to get into neuro. This is your chance. And I'm like, okay, I get that, but you also haven't worked on neurosurgery in over (laughs) 15 years. So I personally would not want you digging around in my brain. No, this is definitely not the place for her to start her neuro career. No. So Meredith and Amelia sit down and Amelia saying, you should absolutely do this. Cause I think that Amelia is still thinking like uh, a single unchild burdened person. Oh my gosh. Yes. Sorry. Who's looking after Meredith's kids? Who's ever fucking looking after Meredith's kids? I love that her entire well, being was not wanting Amelia. to be her mother. But she just... Normally Amelia. Actually, Amelia Maggie, or Maggie. Maggie's, Maggie's like not there. It. Maggie's away looking after her mum. Amelia's not there. Link's not looking after them because he's with Joe. 
who's looking after Meredith's kids. <laughs> they didn't even come into the hospital with Teddy and Owen. Like, they're just... So how much they talk about their children. They are just... Mm-hmm. She is her mother, and I find that hilarious because my mother's biggest fear in life was turning into her mother. And she'd tell us stories when we were younger and be like, oh, you know, you're so lucky to have me. My mother was never home. She did party plan. And I'm like, woman, this is the first time I've seen you in six days. Like, (laughs) we're all Mm. destined to be our parents. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So for some reason, she decides to take this job on the provision that she has a uh, satellite lab in uh, Gray Sloan. In Seattle. In Seattle. And so we don't have to lose her, no. which makes sense. But also is also I find really weird, like why even write in this whole storyline that this hospital is somewhere far away? <gasps> like why? Oh my god, I know why. Why not just write it? I know why. Really? Yeah, I've just realized they're writing Amelia a spin-off show. Ooh. This is a spin-off startup. Because otherwise the, the main dude in it wouldn't be who he mm. is. I mean, he must be, conti- he's going to have to be in this whole season because mm. they're working on his brain. So he's not going anywhere. Yeah, I reckon this is a spin off. I wouldn't be surprised if you were right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like this season already is uh, showing us a theme about what this season could be. And it's something on the lines of like everything coming full circle because. Last episode, we saw so many things that were reminiscent of things that have happened in past episodes or at the start of the show. Mm -hmm. Everything is coming full circle. And now with that comment from Amelia saying, when you started, you wanted to do neuro. And now it's she's going into this neuro. Well, even Bailey... Bailey and Weber start uh, retraining the the interns. And I think what he says is really important because I know a lot of people who uh, were studying medicine and were sort of pushed forwards or jumped over stuff to be allowed to join the medical professionals last year because they were so desperately needed. Uh, what it means now is that yeah. a lot of medical professionals had such a hard time uh, and and is still having a really really hard time. Let's let's absolutely not forget the struggle that is still going on with healthcare workers and the healthcare community as a whole globally. And a lot of healthcare workers are resigning because they just they 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 don't want to do it anymore. It's just it's been so high. All the joy is gone. And I think that's a big word in Grey's Anatomy. Uh, so Bailey and Weber get together and put on the uh, medical Olympics or surgical Olympics and have a... Yeah, which is great. Yeah. I used to love in the old seasons when our, when our, you know, original crew, when they were interns and we used to see them practising sutures and fighting to be the best yeah. at this or that when they're learning new skills. And I, there is so much joy in watching them kind of compete and learn. Except my one problem is... We, we don't know these people, so we aren't that invested in it at the moment. Yeah, no. Except for Levi and Helm. Yeah. As the only, are they the only ones from their class left? They're the only people. Well, kind of... I know a bunch of them, what, the, some people left last season, some people got fired. I think just COVID was really rough and maybe it is just all new doctors in there to be like, hey, no one's left. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Also, Meredith's takeover of training the interns and residents only lasted one episode. Why? Have, oh, why the, half an episode. 
Well, they even ask that. Uh, he, Levi's like, isn't Meredith Grey supposed to be taking this over? And Webber's just like, who do you think trained her? <laughs> yeah, but why even write that weird bit in just to take it away anyway? It's, whatever, they um, did it, it's fine. I really love Webber being the teacher. I think that's back to his roots, back to what he's best at. Again, going mm-hmm. full circle. Even Bailey mentions uh, that she is really looking forward to bringing back the joy, but doing that by, by, she's like, you know, back in the day, we all used to get together and have parties and do all this stuff together. And I really want to do that again. So yeah, mm-hmm. it is feeling really tidied up. Coming full circle, Um, yeah. Do you know what I instantly thought, though? Because they did keep hinting at um, bringing something back and bringing the joy back. And when I I heard them say that, all I could imagine was that Arizona's coming back because, to (laughs) me, joy is personified in Arizona in this show. And the way they were talking about it, like bringing someone back, we have big plans to bring in joy it just in my head it was like arizona but i know they're also hinting at the fact that addison's coming back yeah also did you notice the new hospital the hospital was like orange and blue is that number five or number six i don't know i can't keep track no it was really weird but that that image of weber and bailey looking down on the hospital like they used to on that they were standing in the wrong place a different walkway yeah um, I, I think it's really fun yeah, that a lot of our predictions for this episode are kind of coming true. Last week we were talking about how we loved the idea of uh, the alternative family, uh, Link and Joe co-parenting rather than being in a relationship, and that that's that's progressing forwards. There was this really adorable scene of the two of them, like, swapping and throwing and packing the kids' bags and just being so beautifully in sync. Mm, yeah, so nice. I actually, I mean, this is semantics, but to me it didn't feel like co-parenting. It just felt like they were parenting together because they were definitely parenting alongside each other. It was very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was there was a lot of interesting stuff about parenting this week and combining that with uh, sort of pronouns and uh, gender-related expectations is something they're really touching mm-hmm. on. Uh, which I really like. Last two seasons, we had a lot more information and stuff being brought to the service uh, surface about trans people, whereas mm-hmm. uh, this season's having a bit of a focus on uh, gender issues. We have uh, a person who uses the they them pronouns that's just which been introduced, Doctor Kai. And I sense this might just be me being hopeful, but I sensed a little bit of a flirtation between Amelia and them. And there was a little, there was a little something, something going oh, on there. so much. I think my favourite thing about the scene is that he introduces them as Kai and says them and Meredith and Amelia just immediately go in with the thems. There wasn't even like the question of, sorry, them? Or accidentally misgendering yeah, it them. it to be explained, yeah. It's just Shonda yeah. being like, all right, fuck you all. I'm done with this debate. This is how it is. If they say that they want to be a they them, that is what they are. It's great. Love that. Yeah. In the same way as the as the two two last season, I mean we'll get into the Elsa, but the two two last episode, there was it was just that's all it needed to be. You know, they introduced this idea and it was accepted. Great. And now we have a they them character in the show. It seems like they'll be 
um, in it yep. for a while. Very excited. But yeah, Owen and Teddy, big feature in this episode, as well as Owen's sister as well. With her beautiful I'm so happy hair. that we see her again. Beautiful hair. And she's doing surgeries and it's kind of explained that she's only there filling in for Meredith. But I reckon she'll be there a little bit longer. Maybe she's looking after the children. <laughs> yeah, so in the ambulance comes in father and son. They're one of our medical cases today. Father is a vet who has pretty serious lung damage and they start... There's, there's a few kind of revolutionary things in this episode. Uh, big systemic societal issues that are brought up and I think are going to continue through the season and this one was about how veterans are treated basically this man had done six tours to Iraq and Afghanistan and he had pulmonary lung damage from what they called fire pits and do you remember the description of what the fire pits were I didn't know these were something that existed no neither but it just sounds like any sort of debris Plastic, human waste, uh, shrapnel, weapons, equipment is just burned. And I'm assuming that means that the army guys have to stand around and inhale that. And apparently the system in the US is just yeah, doing absolutely just no support. Completely torn up his lungs. Uh, is it fibromyalgia? Is that wrong? Of the lung? I think that might be right. Basically where... Uh, his lungs are just deteriorating and he's coughing up blood. He's terminal. There's absolutely no way to help. And Owen just gets his big boy pants on and is like, I'm going to go down to the department tomorrow and make a change. And his sister's just like, okay, cool. So when you're <laughs> done fighting the U.S. Army. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. And and then there's this, like, Hunton Hayes standoff. I really, really love Hayes. Who would win in a fight between Owen and Hayes? I know you want it to be Owen. No. Owen Hayes has a pretty good shot. Yeah, I think that if it was a gentleman's disagreement in a debate, I, I think Owen has a really deep respect for Hayes because on, a, on an emotional level, Hayes is very um, intuitive with other people's emotions and he comes across mm. as this very hard and stern dude, but he's deeply empathetic. It's it's why he released the father against medical orders because his wife was terminal and he basically says, look, that guy's terminal. There's nothing better for him. All he wants is to spend some time with his kid. And yeah, we, we can yeah. help him and make him be in pain for another three months longer. But by doing that, he's not going to spend any time with his child. And trust me, when I say they don't want your help. Um, yeah. I love Hayes. Uh, but Owen would beat the shit out of it. Owen to not help. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon Hayes has a pretty good shot. Oh, yeah. He's going to get some scratches in there. Like, I reckon the boy can throw a punch. But, like, all Owen's got to do is lift him up. <laughs> Done. <laughs> all right. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, I think he's a great okay. character. He's he's probably one of the first male characters in Grey's Anatomy that is so well-rounded on a mental health and emotional level. And I think his directness with those issues uh, is very uncommon, knowing his own mind in that way. Um, he's quite similar to... Yeah, definitely. I also... I also feel like we haven't had the chance to learn too much about him. We haven't been able to delve into him outside of the hospital much at all. No. 
Well, his only purpose for being there was to be a love interest for Meredith. And I think they realised that we yeah, like him. Yeah, and now that that's kind of changed, I mean, he's. I'm sure they're going to put him with someone because that's the way this show works. But now it's kind of up in the air. Maybe it's going to be Megan. Maybe it's going to be Addison. Who knows? Addison might be a good one. Yeah, I, I think so too. But seeing him and Megan have a little scene together, I really like. They both have teenage kids. Oh, that's, that's, Mm. I saw that as well. And I was like, maybe we were introduced to some new doctors this week. And that felt very strange for the first time kind of ever when, um, Winston is treating this patient who technically belongs to someone else. And he has to keep talking to this woman. And I'm like, the amount of times when, our doctors have been on a case with another doctor who we've never heard or seen of before. We don't see them. We only hear their names. So that was that was that was yeah. interesting. I wonder if she's gonna be reoccurring. I thought that was really interesting too. And I my I feel like maybe it's because we have lost so many upper level you know, we oh. lost Jackson, we lost Tom Karasic. So they need to bring in some more doctors with authority. And I guess it is a big hospital. We just don't know everyone there. So they have every kind of right to bring someone in. But it does seem weird, especially full scenes with two doctors we don't really know. Do you see similarities between Karasik and Hayes? Like I said before that uh, Hayes was our first sort of character that was fully emotionally stable. I feel like the insights that we got into Karasik, especially when like Bailey had a miscarriage and stuff was uh mm. was really intense I think that I really loved Karasik's character I thought he was really really complex really great the scene where him and April sleep together and they're talking in the morning yeah I gets really dark and really good but anyway that's neither here nor there yeah no i don't see similarities between hayes and Karasik. it's really interesting i just mean in the the sort of way that they divulge things about their past and seem like quite stern and, and rigid men who don't take arguments and don't take other people's opinions and then you find out that they're just very confident in themselves and their own minds yeah, that's so true. I guess once you look past the facade of Karasik being a, a jerk, yeah. then, yeah, those other personality traits are definitely very similar. Uh, but, yeah, sorry to have uh, interrupted you, but Winston, uh, he he was a big feature in this episode. And as we said, Maggie is not mm. there. Her father's getting knee surgery uh, in Boston. I wonder what is happening there. Like, I wonder why... Normally there's kind of a reason for the actor. I know in real life Kelly McCreary is pregnant, but I don't think she would have been pregnant back when they were filming this. I really hope that we don't get less Maggie. I adore Maggie. Same, and it took me a while to come around to Maggie as well, and now I really like her. But yes, Winston's patient plays a very important role in this episode, so therefore Winston does too. They teach us that... A system for diagnosing kidney transplant patients is racist. It's it's a quantifier that's racist. So to get onto the uh, donors list, you need to have an EGFR of a certain number. Um, 
So basically what uh, Winston and his intern figure out and then report to Bailey is that there's a huge oversight uh, for the EGFR being biased against African-Americans based on racially motivated statistics that don't make any sense. Um, So they go on to say when this was developed, it was assumed that black people had a higher muscle mass uh, that lowers the EGFR. Um, there were also things believed about African-Americans that they had a higher pain tolerance, different bone density and lung capacity to uh, the Caucasian Americans. And these different uh, densities and capacities rah, rah, uh, basically still count towards current medical formulas they use for diagnosis. But what we all know is that everyone's kind of exactly the same on the inside. Certain races are predisposed to certain illnesses, which is something that's touched on in season uh, 17. I think it was episode four when uh, Owen Hunt misdi- misdiagnoses a patient uh, uh, of Chinese ethnicity. Uh, so he misdiagnoses her with appendicitis, but she was actually suffering from right-sided diverticulitis, which is a condition that's more prominent in Asian patients. And Dr. Nico actually calls him out, saying that you're treating them as if they're a white person, not an Asian person, whereas the opposite's happening in this episode where this patient isn't uh, is is being biased against based on old medical law even though it is standard practice and he has it out with this lady doctor that we've never met before i'm so impressed the way you worded that i looked up this for so long to try and figure out how to explain it and it just all went straight over my head so thank you (laughs) for really explaining that but what i did learn in my research is that this is real this is a legit thing and there's lots of petitions going around the medical community last year um trying to change it trying to figure out how to move forward and get this to be less biased. So it is something that is changing and it is all real. Yeah. And I think that's a huge one considering everything that happened last year. I think that the medical profession probably had a really good opportunity to stand by the BLM movement and be like, here is another way in which the world is unjust. Let's change it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just so proud of the show for doing it. So, you know, the, the them, they, and Theo, uh, Leo wearing a dress. Great. That's a huge step yeah. forward in the right direction. We've got platonic co-parents, yeah. a different idea of a family that's not really been tackled in any TV program before. We're hitting that up this season. And we're also going with, hey, medicine is still unfortunately a little bit racist. Probably very yeah. great. Well, actually, it's, great. it's quite racist. We we know this. It's But it's being tackled on a platform that's going to be seen by people. On primetime television that gets seen by so many people. <sighs> and you learn something. Like, we learnt that. We looked into it and read about it, and now we're a little bit wiser. Yeah, so... We told you it was a big episode and there was a lot of big issues being tackled. And I just think we need to tackle the big issue of has Meredith eaten this year? Because (laughs) she goes on a date with Nick. Nick. 
and she comes out in this beautiful dress and he tells her that she's overdressed. Oh, on the dress quickly. The styling is so much better than it ever has been. Do you remember those early seasons when they used to walk out of the hospital and they just looked like they'd and have fallen into clothes and nothing um, I think that's called the early thousands, Tamsin, and we remember it. <laughs> okay. You rewatch okay. them and you're like, oh, wow, those pants are low. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, why is everyone wearing brown corduroy? What's going why on? Why are you wearing that but scarf that's actually this... a piece of string? Oh, my God, I know exactly the scarf that you're yep. talking and about. And Izzy wearing those Ooh. those shirts that were, like, a loose tank top but had, like, an elastic band after rouging at the bottom to cover your butt crack because your pants were so yeah. low. <laughs> it was definitely a time. But I, I do actually think the styling's gotten a lot better. I know, yes, the early ones is just a bad fashion time, but... But Meredith looks so good. That dress is great. They've styled Owen and Teddy when they come into the hospital. They've styled them really yeah, well. Yeah, I think they must have a new... Like, what they're wearing really works. It's, like, noticeably better than I believe it ever has been this season. Okay, are we really supposed to believe a girl messed up where to put a yoni egg compared to where to put a strawberry? Oh, I forgot about that. Um... It's like there is no way anyone is messing up and getting a strawberry and a yoni egg mixed up. Okay, so for those who don't know, um, when something looks like a penis, it's phallic. When something resembles lady parts, vagina, I'm just going to say it on the internet, you're welcome, it's yonic. So a yoni egg is a crystal that you... um. Well, you get quite intimate with, let's put it that way. And our lovely patient, who Joe is just digging around the insides of, pulls out the plumpest, least squashed and rotten (laughs) strawberry that had been in a woman's vaginal cavity for four days. (laughs) If that doesn't show what GMO does to your fruits, I don't know what does. fresh that's straight out of a packet fresh like did you wash that in vinegar and stuff before because i don't so basically she was doing this ritual she learned on the tiktok because there's a lot of talk about influences in this episode uh there really is that's another that's in my notes actually social media in this episode is i just don't think we're allowed to escape social media anymore it's even become a thing with films and every tv show i watch it's, I hate it. I hate it so much. It's when the text bubbles come up because they're texting. Yeah. And now we have to talk about Instagram and Twitter and, and TikTok and everything. It's such a big part of our lives. And I, TikTok. I don't get the escapism in TV anymore because I'm like, I don't give a shit about influencers. <sighs> Anywho, she learned from an influencer to do a, a ritual. And she was like, oh, I must have had to have eaten the strawberry and inserted the yoni egg. Instead, she eats what looks like a three-inch tall, two-inch wide egg-shaped crystal. She's eaten it and she's inserted the strawberry up her, which was the wrong way around. And I just, Grey's Anatomy, I know that they do bring in some patients that are not the brightest, but that seems to be 
that I, so unbelievable that someone could mix those two things up. My my favorite part about that entire storyline was uh, the Levi Dr. Schmidt because he won the intern Olympics got to do her surgery, and one of my favorite things about Dr. Wepper is that he has a secret office full of things he's pulled out of people's buttholes. And at the end of the episode, he was like, yeah, I even let him keep it. And I don't have one of those. (laughs) (laughs) I love that too. Again, everything is coming full circle. This, we remembered how Weber loves keeping the things. Yeah. All circling back. Even this, this winning the surgery Olympics and getting the first surgery. We've seen similar things like that before with the rest of the intern class watching down from the gallery and being involved in this, you know, it was very reminiscent of the 007 episode with George. Yeah. And even though this episode has a happy ending and George's doesn't, it really felt like that. Oh, this is really funny. Everything is coming full circle. Well, last episode was reminiscent of season one when they had the dead baby bike race. This episode is reminiscent mm-hmm. of the intern games in season two. There are normally around 18 to 24 episodes per season. Does that mean that each episode mm-hmm. is going to be a flashback or a an homage to a previous season? That would be amazing. I hope so because that would be so clever. We're just going to keep making notes. Also, Boki is in this surgery. I I have notes and it says, all in caps, Boki sighting at 30 minutes and 30 seconds. (laughs) Um, Something that's become a lot more prevalent, especially on social media, and I'm so excited to see it uh, spoken about so much, is uh, menstruation. And I suddenly realised that Grey's Anatomy is talked about a lot of issues but they haven't really discussed anything no one's been sat down with and had the chat i wonder if they will when the kids get a little bit older because who's the who who's zola yeah zola that would be the first oh that would be the first kid to kind of become about 13 14 yeah probably already is actually but yeah, I'd be interested to see if that's going to come up for a show that's been running for so long and has female writers. It's created by a female and has one of the strongest female casts that any of us have ever seen. It's 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 really strange that that's not something that they're comfortable talking about as easily as they are a lot of other oh, issues. It would be cool to Just see a, a bit of a like, like teaching Zola how to use a tampon episode, something like that would be great. What do you think about Helm and Levi? Because I I worry that they used Le, Levi was getting a really good story arc when he was with Nico and he was becoming his own character and becoming a really strong character. And now that we don't really see Nico anymore, I think they've kind of left Levi a bit out in the cold. Like he's lost a lot of his confidence and a lot of what was making him really. I started to notice that I started to notice that if the characters aren't in a romantic relationship, they fade to the background. Like Helm, technically her romantic relationship was her deep, deep love for Meredith. Yeah, and, and that's why she, that's what was her entire personality. And now that's gone. So what, what is she now? It's like, they've tried to push a few storylines on Helm. They had that 
being obsessed with Meredith's storyline and then she was going to be Joe's annoying housemate and then that got quashed pretty quickly when yep. Joe moved out pretty fast. I think that she's she's Schmidt's sidekick. His coming out story was why we were interested in him. Yeah, exa- exactly. With That was a great storyline when his uncle died, when he told his mum, when, you know, Nico was coming over to their house and they were going to get an apartment together. And that scene where they, that scene where him and Nico make out in the ambulance in the storm, like that was all good. And now, and now that's all gone. It's like they're starting these characters over again. They've even pushed them in with the intern class. Like, I don't think the show knows what they're doing with them. I, I think the show's just kind of out of options for romantic inclinations for both of them. So they're really struggling to write storylines for people that don't revolve around emotional relationship trauma. Mm, that's sad, isn't it? Think about all of the characters we have. None of them are really single. Or like... Yeah. Like Hayes' entire reason for being there was as a romantic gift for for Meredith. And now he's looking like he might be mm-hmm. a romantic gift for Owen's sister. Like characters don't exist unless they have mm. a relationship on this show. Yeah, I wonder if that's why they've put Weber back into teaching the interns. Like that's where he started and then his kind of storyline turned into being Catherine Fox's husband and all the Avery stuff. And then now that that's gone, they're like, okay, he's going to be this role model teacher character again because they don't know what else to do. I've just really disappointed myself on this entire <laughs> show with that realisation that everyone is validated by their romantic choices. Yeah, it's disappointing. I mean, there's so many things they could do that just don't involve romantic relationships as being an important storyline. But, yeah, it just seems like they don't know what they're doing with a lot of the single characters at the moment. But that's okay. Hopefully that it can all change next episode. Okay. So how does this episode end? This episode ends with the handshake. handshake. Um, We need to learn his name because Mm -hmm. he's going to be around in Minnesota. And I think that's a wrap. There's been so much. I think a lot of new storylines have just begun. So there's a lot to look forward to. And I hope we get to see Leo in another princess costume. I hope we see new costumes every week. I think he would do really great in Snow White. Um, And then all the other kids can be his seven dwarfs. Yay! <laughs> All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Bye. Bye. The, the vagina. Sing it. The, the, the vagina. vagina. Hi, this is Tamsin. Just jumping in while I'm doing the editing. I know I normally pop in some clips from the episode that we're talking about, and I didn't this week. And that's really only because we didn't talk about any specific dialogue and specific lines from the episode. But don't worry, I'll keep adding them when I think it's necessary. This week just didn't seem to happen. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed it still, and you'll hear from us again soon. Bye!